Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out. The kind that both employees and customers love and support. Our guest today is Nina Gibray Stevenson, Chief Cultural Officer at Point A Hotels. It's not just a hotel with rooms, it's a place where everyone receives heartfelt hospitality no matter their budget. They now have hotels in London, Edinburgh and Glasgow. We talked about life in hospitality, being part of a family business and how they are navigating the pandemic by putting people first. Their unique approach to leadership and culture and some strong advice on how to keep your people engaged even when you cannot meet them in person. This episode will inspire you on how to take a different approach to management and culture by engaging your people in creating solutions that will solve the challenges within your business. So grab pen and paper and enjoy. Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast. We are now still in lockdown, but we are we are slowly moving out of it. For this episode, I have a really great guest that's going to talk about something that sometimes can be missed in our business environment and you know, focusing on bringing back business and revenue. But one of the most important things that really drives that revenue is the unique culture of every business. For this, I have Nina from Point A Hotels here. So welcome to the podcast, Nina. Thank you very much, Michael. It's lovely to be here. And thank you for asking me to be part of your podcast. I've already said that we're going to talk a bit about culture. Before we do that, who is Nina? What is your, you know, elevator pitch? And uh, what have you been up to before I actually met you? Because the funny thing, again, with Point A Hotels, I never heard about it before you guys reached out to me and you're doing incredible things. I unconventionally started my career in management consulting, not hospitality. And I was with one of the big consulting firms for about five years until I made the move into our family business, which um, has always been rooted in hospitality since my grandfather founded the company when he moved here from Tanzania. He entered the hotels industry here in the in the 80s and has built a portfolio over the years. My father now runs the business and we have a collection of hospitality businesses, including a Starbucks franchise, a KFC franchise. We have the Sloan Club, which is a private members club in Chelsea, a couple of small boutique hotels, and then Point A Hotels brand. Point A Hotels was born in 2017. We had historically always been franchisees of other brands and then decided to take the leap into starting our own brand. And Point A Hotels is what we call a budget boutique hotel. So it's very much an offering for the value conscious traveler, but we want to step up out of the sort of conventional budget sector and offer something with a bit more soul, you know, a product that feels special and service that feels special. So that's what Point A Hotels is all about. What is your role within the the business? We heard about the title before, but it's not all companies that has the title like you have. So what is what is your title and why that title? My title is Chief Culture Officer. Um, it's a relatively new title, but something that I've been quite passionate about um, my whole career, which is all about focusing on the culture and values of a business. I think if you don't have these, you've got nothing to sort of navigate your decision making around. And your values and your culture, I think, are the driving and deciding factors of where you go with your business and the decisions that you take. So we wanted to formalize this and make someone accountable for it, which is why I took on the role. And it sounds fluffy, but it actually means being involved in 
every decision from very big strategic decisions down to smaller sort of communication activities, the way we present ourselves to the external world, but most importantly, how we communicate internally with our teams. So I manage kind of a lot of things across the different businesses from kind of our annual operating plans, the way we hold ourselves to account in terms of the strategic deliverables and the KPIs, but also sort of my key metric is our employee engagement and making sure that our teams feel like they are living and breathing the culture and values that we want to create within the business. And that's a sense of kind of honesty, trust, openness, kindness, and also fun. And that's super interesting. You know, we, we're going to be talking about mostly about culture and leadership in, the, in this interview. But again, we have to acknowledge we are in, a, in the current situation. We are in, in the middle of a pandemic or are we in the middle? Are we a third of the way? I don't know. But we're definitely still in some kind of lockdown. And what have this meant for Point A and, and, and the work you've been trying to do? I guess, you know, as a hotel business or a hospitality business, this has like has really challenged you as well. It's been a huge challenge and one that no one could have anticipated. You know, we have risk plans and risk mitigation plans, but there's nothing out there which is a kind of manual or process manual for a global pandemic. And actually, this is where the culture and values really come into play, because culture is what happens when people behave in a way that's guided by themselves in the absence of, of a process manual to follow. And in this time, that's really been put to the test for everyone. You know, we've all had to look within and be driven by sort of instinct and what feels right in your heart. And when you're asking team members, to do the same. This is the ultimate test. We've been really fortunate and really proud of the way that our teams have responded to this challenge. You can face this and look at it in a kind of selfish way or looking out for number one, but our teams and the company have have looked at this together as one team, looking out for the best interests of each other, of our customers, our neighbors, our suppliers, our investors. That's what this virus has really brought brought to the fore and and tested us in a, in a way that probably wouldn't have happened otherwise and for us it's been an ultimate test of our culture i talked with a, another guy i think it's almost four weeks ago and he said that this pandemic have shown us it's all about caring taking care of ourselves others communities uh, and the planet and that's what's all about it's not about business right now it's about caring and then you will come out on the other side having a very strong business and you're saying the similar thing i can hear yeah and it's been really interesting to watch how the different brands have responded in this environment and the the way that communication has changed and the way that we are as a society coming together and this sort of sense of community in the sense that we're kind of all in this together and the way that brands are communicating with their customers, you can really see the brands that have done well and the brands that haven't done so well. Simple things, you know, I'll speak for the hotel industry, the hotels that were quick to do their refunds to guests who could no longer travel versus the ones that tried to make it difficult. You know, the ones that stood team members down kind of instantly versus those who waited and put needs of the team first. And then thankfully, we we were presented with the furlough scheme here in the UK. So it's really been interesting to watch. You know, for me, it's all about maintaining trust and maintaining the trust of our teams, of our customers and of all of our stakeholders, really. 
and coming at this as you know one family one one team because I think once you break trust with someone it's really hard to build it back up again and this will be really interesting when we start to come out of the lockdown period and and people are making choices about where to spend their money where to invest themselves and their careers you know which brands survive and which ones thrive and which ones don't yeah and I think you're absolutely right there's an invisible list in people's heads starting to happen but there's definitely a list of not only in hospitality but in business in general companies that did the right thing and then companies that didn't care i would almost say there there was no caring within it it was all very quickly focusing on only satisfying one thing that the profit of the business and you can say oh well, we did it for survival but there was not very long-term thinking within that because people really remember and i've been talking with a lot of people also outside hospitality that really have noticed this for once that there's something not right with this kind of behavior that was not what they expected they were disappointed in in that brand or that business so so you're absolutely right just to take us a bit back we are now you know we don't know how far we in this pandemic we are somewhere eight weeks into it but what is it that you did from day one because you talked about trust before nina what is it that you did as a business to you know sustain that trust within your own business because that's where it starts as you say what did you do of concrete initiative from you know from the start off and up to now and what do you continue doing in you know this unknown period of time before you you reopen Yeah, so one of the big things we did, I think, was to wait. We were really open from the beginning that we didn't really know what the virus meant. We were waiting for government guidance on what the impact would be on the industry. As soon as we knew we were going to have to close, which we have done now, we waited. We we paid all of our March salaries in full, even though we were closed for part of March. And then we started to take advantage of the furlough scheme. And I think that was a really big message to our teams, that they were sort of being looked after and cared for despite the uncertainty despite the lost revenue so that was a really clear sort of marker in the ground the other thing we started to do very early on was communicate even if we didn't know what to say and we had to just tell our teams that we didn't know it was really important for us to give one clear message so our ceo started weekly briefings every Friday, which continue on now, where we just give an update on what we've been doing as a team, what the latest government guidance is, because that can be really tough to navigate. And we also use the opportunity to just sort of celebrate what what is happening and what is going well, because there are some things to celebrate too. Another sort of concrete action that we took was within what we call our Queensway Foundation. So Queensway is the parent company of Point A Hotels. The foundation has existed for a couple of years now. It was something that I started and it was very much intended to be the place that our team members could come for support because we're really conscious of the fact that so many people who work in hospitality may not come from the UK or live here alone and don't necessarily have the support systems in place that others do. So we wanted to be that place that people could come when they were struggling with something or they needed some help or just someone to talk to. And we've supported several team members through the foundation over the years. But with the coronavirus, we were really conscious that we needed to step this up a notch and really formalise this support. So we partnered with Hospitality Action, which is the industry's sort of charity. They've been supporting supporting hospitality workers for I think it's 150 years and they offer sort of private confidential and professional support you know the areas of finance legal well-being relationships all these kinds of things and so we opened this up to our team members across the UK so that they could benefit from that extra support so at a time I think when they expected us to sort of step away we actually made the investment in them I think that was well received 
but also something that was absolutely felt like the right thing for us to do. And it's something that we will continue on into the future. I think also just through this whole sort of crisis, it's been really important to try and keep engagement up. So whilst we have got team members who are furloughed, we have a lot of optional kind of communications and engagement activities going on where we can kind of get together. So we have things like a book club, we have quizzes that people can partake in, we have communications that go out twice a week with lots of tips and tricks about sort of staying healthy, staying productive, staying happy. Um, We celebrate birthdays and service anniversaries. We've also done a Dragon's Den initiative where we've invited our team members to come up with some creative ideas of how we can better our business, you know, when all of this is over or as we start to rebuild. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what the team come up with because often the best ideas come from them. That's quite interesting uh, besides you you're doing a lot of things to get engaged in now but actually you're using you know from the bottom up you're using the frontline employees to find out what is our bounce back plan what have you done now to to be ready actually to bounce back from a from a people point of view because again you know you're very dependent on these people as you say and this as it drags out all this there's also more more and more tension in every individual's situation because everybody gets nervous about what what does it mean for me do i have a job and all that so what are you doing to start building this bounce back plan just when we're focusing on on the people factors here Yes, I think the main thing that we're doing is keeping them engaged through this whole process, because if they feel like, you know, we're still there for them and we still care and we're doing everything that we can to preserve their their jobs and preserve the business, then I think there's that sense of comfort. So that's sort of the first thing that we're doing. The second thing we're doing is we're being really honest. So I think it's really important that we explain to people very clearly that the outlook for the hospitality industry is not great. It is going to take time for us to rebuild. It's going to mean that we need to make compromises. It's going to mean that there are going to be limited hours to share out. It's going to mean that we each have to sort of work at this together as a team and we're all making sacrifices and we all have made sacrifices. Even the people who are working full-time at the more senior levels are not being paid 100% of what they were being paid before. And I think examples like that show that we are in this together and we're doing everything that we can. I think the recognition for us is that we have made investments in this team of people. We care about them. They share our values. They've behaved in line with our values. They extend to our customers the kindness and the care that we try to extend to them. And that's really difficult to find and train. So it's putting the investment in now and having a slightly more long-term mindset around, you know, our people because they are central to the experience that we deliver to the customer. And you mentioned uh, training and uh, investing in them now. Have you done any specific things that you said, well, there's these things available for for you in in this period. So you're more ready to... uh, you know, approach the world we're going to meet on the new now, as people call it. So I think there's going to be a lot of training exercises that we're going to do. For us, it's a little bit difficult at the moment because we don't really know when we're going to be able to reopen. So what we have is a kind of a reopening plan, as it were, that will kick in when we have a date that we can sort of aim towards. But in that plan, we're thinking about the training that's going to be required, obviously from a health and safety and operational perspective. But more importantly, we're going to use this as an opportunity to really re-onboard people into the business, into the values, into the culture, and using examples of how this coronavirus is going to impact people and travel and their concerns and what our job is to make that customer experience as smooth as possible. We've always talked a lot in our business in Point A Hotels around emotional, intelligent hosting 
interesting. And this is all about connecting with people on a deeper level and understanding their needs and catering to those needs. I think this is going to be so important moving forward because people who are traveling, particularly at the beginning of this sort of lifting of lockdown are going to be nervous are going to want to feel reassured and are going to need something slightly different I think from our teams and in the service that we offer to the usual hi how was your day type of thing it's going to be a deeper more kind of emotive connection that we need to build and we need to make sure our teams are ready for that. I haven't even thought through how we're looking at a hotel, but I know from a restaurant point of view, it's the Maslow's hierarchy of needs have just gone all the way down to the bottom. It's all about safety. Can I eat here safe? Are they actually doing things safely? Are there food safety in the right way? Are they actually protecting me? How many people are traveling in the elevator so we take a hotel? There's all these questions about how you actually need to really rethink the operation, I guess, as well. And how does the employees, you know, move around? around and you know how do you make sure that if anyone caught the the coronavirus and some kind of thing how do you make sure that you know you can set the team the next day and you know and all that and i haven't even thought it through but as we talk about now i can see that operational that'd be a challenge and again it it really demands the, the cultural aspect really comes in here and how you actually bounce back absolutely and and it's that what you're mentioning earlier about care because If your team members are not engaged and and don't really care that much, it's going to be very easy to let these new ways of working slip because frankly, they're difficult. It's a difficult ask for your teams to make sure that they hand sanitize every however many minutes or wipe down surfaces much more often than they would previously make sure that, you know, the lift buttons are as clean as they can be. All these sort of extra bits of work that they're going to have to do. That's when we need people to really want to do those things and really care about about those things otherwise it's going to be really difficult to implement and as you say you know customers everyone's going to be paying so much more attention to these things and I think if we can do it and do it willingly and do it happily it's going to make such a massive difference to the ambience that we create in our hotels and in restaurants and in places where we're extending hospitality to another. And I guess also that you would have people that that's coming back as well from a long period of being furloughed. Maybe we're talking about three to four months where they haven't been in work. And I guess there's also something about getting them back into the culture and understanding we are operating in a new paradigm, even though you, you've been part of the engagement online. I guess suddenly standing at work is a very different thing. Then suddenly it becomes the real world, not just a conversation online. I haven't been to the hotels or to our office for so many weeks. It's going to be quite strange. But even things like making sure that people feel comfortable with their own journeys to and from work, with the the measures that we have in place on, on our properties. We've been quite lucky because half our teams are actually working on site at the moment. Although we don't have any customers to welcome into our hotels, they are large complex buildings that can't be left unattended. So we do have about half our team members living on property taking care of one another and taking care of the buildings so they are on site and we've tried to rotate it so that as many people as can and want to are able to do some some full-time work like that and keep connected to each other but also to the properties and to the business so we have a sort of happy medium in that sense which will hopefully make it easier for us but it's absolutely a case of almost being re-onboarded into a new 
business and a new way of working with new expectations, new metrics, new KPIs, because we're going to be looking at a very different world. So yes, it's quite interesting. So you're actually making a a rebirth of the business. But the only thing that is left as what you've said through this is like we have a very unique culture we can use to make that easier. What do you think the difference is that you have that culture? And if you didn't have it, and you had to do the culture at the same time coming back from this? I think it would be really hard because your culture is is your anchor. And if you're trying to build that at the same time as pivoting your business to a very different environment, as well as kind of bringing people with you, I think it would be a huge challenge. And I think where we're quite lucky is that we have that in place. And that has been what has grounded us and what has guided our decision making throughout this and has been really clear in all of our communication, in our recognition throughout this period of time that we're continuously going back to our values, continuously going back to sort of the statements that we make in what we call our DNA. And interestingly, actually, one of our values is that we challenge everything. It's quite fitting almost that this challenge has been thrown our way and we're being put to the test on how we've kind of dealt with that. And another of our values is also to be kind. So it's very much about coming at this challenge with with kindness and with big hearts. It's quite interesting the way you, you phrase that. It's almost like I saw a little video snippet of Ken Blanchard serving leadership is his thing and the, the 4S model and he's probably in his 80s now without me knowing but he still looks like very very energetic and he said that the businesses that could see this challenge as something they had to go through to become even greater they are and serve that challenge instead of being angry about it and frustrated will come out very strong and their people will be very connected to that business so that's very interesting you said and i think he's very right it's very interesting if we move on to the next thing i wanted to hear your thoughts about as well what kind of leadership paradigm are we actually facing here what kind of approach to leadership is needed now in a totally the new normal what what is it that leaders has to do very differently to have success in the future than they did in the past and that's probably an overlap i get that what is your view on it and what what is point a's view on this as you say it's been bubbling in the background for some time now this sort of shift away from kind of purely numbers driven businesses to you know we talk about companies with purpose and companies with a soul with a conscience you know there's that need of the younger generations of the millennials to work for somewhere that has meaning and i think this is going to be even more important as we move forward because we've all had this time to sort of pause and reflect and think about what's really important to us as people and i think when we kind of go into that new normal that's going to come with us these lessons are going to come with us the fact that we've given our earth and our planet a break over the last sort of weeks and the benefit that we've seen that that's had on the world around us hopefully these aren't going to be lessons that we just throw away but they're going to come with us that sense of community the power of random acts of kindness the way that we have stayed connected with one another all the way down to sort of the more tangible and practical things like working from home and making that part of a company culture that maybe wouldn't have thought it was possible before. So I think the types of leaders who are going to thrive in a world sort of post-coronavirus are going to be the ones that know themselves really well, want to make a difference to the world and leave that mark. And it's, you know, what you said earlier around that sort of servant leadership. The world is bigger than us. Sometimes we have to submit to what it 
presents us and do so kind of with humility and with as much openness as we can and take from it what we will too because you know with every challenge also comes opportunity so the leaders who have managed to stay optimistic stay positive stay aligned to who they are I think they're the ones that are going to come out on top and they're the ones who are going to be able to take people with them do you think leaders are born or are they made probably a little bit of both there's a bit of that sort of nature versus nurture question I suppose I think leaders become leaders from a very young age I think you're exposed to sort of your personal values and what's important to you from a very young age you watch the way that you're parented for example you watch the way that you are taught you make connections with those teachers that really inspired you or those professors at university or wherever you've learned and you learn behaviors from them that are successful behaviors and you learn behaviors that are celebrated and I think more and more you know we're in a world now where that sort of emotional need and you know there's less sort of tell and there's more kind of inspire from a very young age and I think we all have the opportunity to be exposed to that and expose our children to that and I think that's what is going to make leadership leadership going forward you know the people who are talking about this the Simon Sinek's of the world who are really kind of reaching out and and touching us in this very different way and turning leadership on its head in a way you know surrounding yourself by people who are smarter than you all these sorts of messages that were perhaps not really part of our vocabulary before are now very much there and I think really important. It's like, you know, this invisible hand have actually now turned the pyramid upside down if you want it or not. And this, you know, pandemic maybe even forced it harder. And it actually demands that, you know, it's not about you anymore, leadership or a career in leadership. If you think it's about your profile, your salary, your promotions and so on, you're totally going to get it wrong. People are going to very quickly leave you because often, as I say, people don't leave a company, they leave their nearest boss. And uh, you have to reflect on that every time. When that happened, could I have done something different? And there's always something you could have done better. And leadership is a bit like a skill or a muscle. If you don't train it and continue training it, you don't become the best. And I often compare, you know, leadership to uh, to my one of my biggest idols in my childhood was Michael Jordan. And I was like, I was into basketball. I could just see he was, he was so good. But that was not because he was just lucky. He was really in the grit of working on that skill all the time. And there's an amazing program right now going on on Netflix I've been watching over the weekend. It's so, you know, in a way you can see what it actually takes to become a leader in a way and set a standard because it's about the standards do you set for yourself, as you said. How do you lead yourself and how do you lead others and your organization? When I work with leaders, often I find out it's actually the, the biggest gap or the interaction gap when it comes to leadership and helps to drive the culture is they have not worked on themselves. They worked on how do I lead others? How do I give feedback? How do I make plans for the organization strategy? But they're missing the most important gap, which is the first step is yourself, your your own values, to what you want to contribute. What is your why? Why are you doing this? Why do you want to be in service of others? And it's quite interesting you brought that up as, as the first thing. So I totally agree on that. And I think it's going to be, there's going to, there's been a lot of soul searching going on for leaders in this. And it's going to be tough for leaders to bounce back as well, because you can have all the plans in the world, as you said, but you you're going to probably be in a very different environment and it's all going to come down to your ability to adapt and learn all the time. Everything you you knew from before, if you're willing to discard that and say maybe somehow it works, but actually this is going to be very different on the other side. Yeah, it's a willingness to kind of give up what you know and submit to something different and to something new. 
I think that's great. You know, what great leaders do is that they're able to sort of stop and say, this isn't working. I need to change. And that willingness to change, the willingness to recognize where you can be better, where you can be stronger, what the world needs from you now that they maybe didn't need from you five months ago, five years ago, and adjust your way of doing things. And that's what makes a really strong leader. Talking about taking care, working on yourself, and what what do you do to 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 work on yourself, both in the the pandemic, but also outside it? Because I guess it's a, you know you have your rituals to make sure that you are in the in the right space and in the right mindset. If I should use that word. Yeah, I think it's really important. There's so much more to you than, you know, just the work that you do. I'm a great believer in in learning and continuous learning. Um, I was really lucky to complete an executive education program at, at Harvard Business School, which I did last year, which was just incredible to be back in the classroom. I think it's something that we don't often give ourselves the time to do to sort of stop and invest in ourselves from a kind of formal education point of view. What was really interesting about the program is that they did exactly what we've just talked about, which was actually to make you work really hard on yourself rather than trying to furnish you with, you know, sort of the more expected skills and sort of finance and marketing, all that kind of thing, which was covered as well. But it was very much a sort of in-depth analysis on yourself and the highs and lows that you've experienced as a person and how that then reflects in the way that you lead and the future that you want for yourself. And so I think sort of education and continuous learning is really important for me also to sort of switch off and relax. Reading is really important for me. I love to read not just, you know, business books, but also just literature, poetry, uh, novels, all those things that sort of allow you to escape slightly the world that you're in and um, enter the world of another. And I think that really helps from a sort of emotional intelligence point of view to be able to relate to other people from different worlds from you is really, really important. And the other thing that I do is I make time for my family and my friends and people that I love. I've become a mum recently. So um, my little boy is almost nine months now. And I think that gives a whole different perspective and outlook on the world because suddenly there's someone who's wholly dependent on you and just their innocence and the amount that you want to give to them and the example that you want to set for them whilst can be quite a lot of pressure sometimes is also hugely rewarding and also just causes you to to think about what you're doing all the time and try and be that little bit better for them and they're also great fun in terms of being able to sort of escape the world and play and do all the things that you aren't really supposed to do when you're my age (laughs) I totally agree. I have two kids myself and it's the brutal mirror sometimes of thinking, okay, I'm not in the right space right now according to how I react in this situation. I would probably not do this this way if I really reflected on it because they just copy you and older they get my boys five years. You can just see, oh my God, did I say, did I do that? Because you know, they don't, they don't, especially in lockdown, they don't get it from somewhere else. It's it's you, it's, it's you as parents. So, so that's a very good, if you have, if you have kids, that's, you know, if you th- reflect on that, that's probably one of the most powerful leadership lessons you, you can have in life. And probably the most biggest service you can have in life is to, to make them into confident and compassionate people do you have any like you know people you look up to mentors or you know idols i mentioned michael jordan myself i don't know him personally he's in my fictive boardroom when i have difficult things i ask him do you have anyone close or do is there any like big profiles you think that i mirror myself in them to learn and actually adapt new skills and i I see myself working towards some of the things they have done or want to achieve 
Yeah, it probably sounds a bit cheesy, but I work with my father and he's been a massive example to me around sort of leadership and being completely aligned and behaving in line always with his values. He approaches life and business in exactly the same way, which is with honesty and integrity, continuous challenge and always an openness and willingness to learn. I've probably learned more from him than anyone else in my in my career, just the way that he navigates every situation. He seems to have all the answers all the time but he never says that he does you know working in a family business it comes with its challenges but it also is hugely rewarding and to feel like you're able to contribute to the hard work and efforts of the generations before you for the generations that come after you I think gives you that sort of long-termism that perhaps you don't get from a traditional career but I'm hugely grateful to my father because he's also given me every opportunity to be and grow into the person that I've become now and that I feel sort of comfortable with and I think that's the greatest gift you can give your child is to make them happy and comfortable in their own skin. You mentioned books before as well. You said that you know you're not only reading business books but also get inspired by other books that that can actually you know help me see the world in a different perspective. What is your if you should say your favorite book and what would you recommend the listeners the community to to check out if they want to expand their view on the world and different thinking. For this audience, recommend, it's not just a business book. I think it's a personality book. Brene Brown, Daring Greatly, which is all about vulnerability and all about opening yourself up to understanding who you are and accepting your flaws and just being content with who you are and being able to talk to to others about who you are. And I think it makes a massive difference being able to be vulnerable, to be a better leader, to be a better friend, to be a better parent, a better spouse, partner, you know, in, in all your relationships. So that's a really good one. And she does some great TED Talks as well, if you are a better sort of listener rather than reader. Yeah, and I agree that that's a really good book. It's actually on my bookshelf behind me as well. And I have given it to many leaders I work with as well. So it's one of the books to read when they start. They want to go on the journey, improving their leadership skills. And then the TED Talks are very good as well. Really opens up. So that that's a really great suggestion. So also connected with what we already talked about. You know, it starts with you. In the end of the, the conversation, I always ask the person that's on to give their top advice on, you know, what would they do right now? And we could take it on the cultural leadership kind of angle what what is your advice on to to leaders out there to people out there you know it could be in the industry in general in business right now with us moving very fast to a new paradigm what is it they should do now and continue doing to be successful in your view so i think the first thing to do is to look at the near term and think about the immediate future with almost like a survival lens on and just to think about what is happening for me for my business and what steps do I need to take to get through the next sort of year I would say because I think it's going to be a year of uncertainty with that in mind I would also make sure that you're thinking also long term so that you know, none of the decisions that you make today are going to be so rash as to potentially jeopardize the future. And I think to make your long term decisions, it's about looking within understanding who you are and what you stand for, and how you want to look back at this time. I think we're all going to be asked by our grandchildren, you know, what did you do in the coronavirus time? And we all want to make sure that we have a really positive story to tell at that time. And then the third thing I think is to be really mindful of the opportunities to take advantage of at this time, and how, you know, what step changes you might need to make 
within your business or within yourself? What skills are missing? And what has this crisis shown that we need to be better at? It might be something, you know, your digital skills, for example. We've seen how much we are reliant on technology and how much of a role that has played in people's lives. It might also be your approach to, you know, your policies around environmental and climate change within your business. Because again, we've seen how much of an impact human activity has on our planet and do we want to take that lesson and do something about it going forward so I think there's loads of opportunities also that lie ahead even things like if you're stuck in a career that you're not that happy with I think the hiring market's going to be quite interesting coming out of this because there will be lots of talent available and, and there will be different roles that people are looking for so I think yeah those would be my three things sort of survive short term think long term and seize the opportunities Super, super advice. And uh, I couldn't agree more. There will also probably be job roles we haven't even thought about yet. There will, in, even in hospitality, things will change, you know, and uh, digital skills is definitely something that's interesting in that context, whatever that means. And I, Because I think also if you train your people or not, people have definitely become more savvy on technology than they were before because they've been forced online. There was a lot of talk about, you know, we need to be digital, we need to be digital, but also think there's going to be a lot of humanity coming back, as you say. And when you say think long-term, I always think, think like a human, think like how you want to be treated. How was this decision impact, you know, myself and others? And how would I feel if that decision was taken? Really solid advice there for, for people out there. Nina, it's been a absolutely pleasure to have you here on the Hospitality Maverick podcast. I cannot thank you enough for spending your, your valuable time on giving your view on uh, the current situation, but also about, you know, culture, leadership, great advice on, you know, how to take care of yourself and how to build yourself as a leader, both for your team and uh, for your organization. So thank you very much for, for coming on. Thank you very much for having me, Michael. It's been great fun. Nina, thank you so much for your amazing thinking and sharing your best practices on how to build a culture that put people first. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please give us a like, share, rate or subscribe to one of our channels. If this subject around culture and leadership interests you, I would recommend you also to visit our previous episodes. Episode 8, The Power of a Brandful Workforce with Julia Gummitz. Episode 29, Enriched Lives with Mowgli's Nisha Katona. Thanks to Let's Talk Video Production for your amazing support on the podcast. Tune in next time for another interview. And in the meantime, find out more about us and subscribe to our newsletter at hospitalitymavericks.com. Thanks for listening and be maverick.